Swami Pranava and this is Naya Swami Parvati. And we'd like to extend a special welcome to those that are guests here at the Expanding Light as well as guests at the Meditation Retreat and those watching on the internet. And a special thank you and a special congratulations to the graduates of the Meditation Teacher Training Course that ended today. So bravo to you. And indeed, thank you for being able to be instruments to share the amazingly beneficial teachings of meditation out into the world. So thank you very much. I'd like to read to you from Rays of the One Light, which is by Swami Kriyananda with commentaries on passages from the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. This week's topic is Deeds versus Intentions. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ emphasized repeatedly the spirit, not the letter of the law. In chapter 5 of the Gospel of St. Matthew, he speaks of the sin of killing and of the legal punishment attendant on that sin, but says that more important than the act is the desire to kill or to do harm. He shows that the sin of harmful desire goes beyond merely wanting to kill. My message to you, he said, is this. Whoever is angry with his brother, without cause, already stands condemned. Whoever contemptuously calls his brother a fool shall answer for it to the Supreme Council. And whoever calls his brother an outcast of God shall be in danger of hellfire. Brother here means any other human being. For all of us in the highest sense are brothers and sisters, children of our one Father, Mother, God. The true self of one is the self of all. To hurt another is, even if one doesn't realize it, to hurt oneself. Swami Kriyananda in The New Path recalls an episode in which the master, Paramahansa Yogananda, revealed his sense of identity even with the plants. One day, Kriyananda wrote, we were moving a delicate but rather heavy tropical plant into position on the hillside. Our handling, evidently, was too rough, for Master cried out, Be careful what you're doing. Can't you feel? It's alive. To wish death to anyone, to wish even harm to another creature, is to deny in oneself the reality of that divine life of which we are all manifestations. It is, in short, to deny the eternal truth proclaimed by the Bhagavad Gita in the second chapter. This self is never born, nor does it perish. Once existing, it can never cease to be. It is birthless, eternal, changeless, ever itself. It is not slain when the body is slain. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, 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 oh. I also would like to welcome you all. It's wonderful to be here. I'd like to begin by reading from Whispers from Eternity. Prayer demand for illumination. 
O Spirit, beloved Father, over-soul of the universe, spirit of spirits, friend of friends, teach me the mystery of my existence. Teach me to worship Thee in breathlessness and in deathlessness. In the fire of devotion, burn away my ignorance. In the stillness of my mind, come, Spirit, come, possess me, and teach me to feel thy immortal presence in and around me. Come, Spirit, come. Come, Spirit, come. So first of all, I'd like to say I bring greetings from Ananda Tucson, where I was for a whole week. And uh, they have a lovely little center there. Um, there's about a dozen core people and then others come and go from there but during the uh, five very full days that I spent there we had two Kriya initiations, reviews, a public talk, a Sunday service, a meal and we visited the desert plants. (laughs) Anyway, but it was a wonderful time and I really got to know uh, the group there more. Elizabeth McConnor is the leader there and Kent and Shraddha Williams have spent a number of years helping to bring that center together both on the physical plane and also just uh, helping with energy with Elizabeth. So, And it really shows that. Uh, they have a beautiful little uh, jewel of a center there and it felt very nice to do Kriya initiations there which is really saying something. It's the middle of the city on a busy street. So anyway... Um, Also, I just wanted to um, start by uh, reminding you, if you haven't read in a while, one of the uh, stories from the autobiography of a yogi. This is from the chapter, The Law of Miracles. And it has some very interesting things toward the end of that chapter. The whole chapter is very interesting, but there's some interesting things that Yogananda uh, relays. And uh, he says that he was, in 1915, he, he names the year. He doesn't often name the year in that book when, it, when things are happening. But he said, 1915, shortly after I joined the Swami order. So he was about 22 years old at that time. He said, I was in my father's home, which is for Garpar Road, uh, meditating. And he had been thinking about World War One that was raging in Europe and they were far away from that in India but just all of the death that was happening there, the casualties of war and he was meditating and all of a sudden he was flipped out of his body meditating and into the body of a ship captain who was in the midst of that battle in, during World War One, and the ship captain uh, he, and he was it was very, very um, extreme, this vision, and he was very much there. And, uh, and then uh, a, a bomb hit the ship, the thing exploded, and the few people that survived, including the ship captain, jumped into the water, and they were swimming towards shore. And this was all he said, his heart was beating and everything. And they reached the shore, he reached the shore, he said he got up, he felt, wow, and he got hit by a bullet in the chest. And he, he was dying. All of a sudden, that was it. And he said, I knew my time had come. This is him speaking as the ship captain. And then, as he was starting to sink into unconscious death, 
he was back in for Gurpar Road meditating. And he was so happy. He said, I was patting my body and rocking back and forth and so happy to be alive. And, and that was there for a moment. And then he was flipped back into the body of that dead ship captain. And it was so extreme back and forth that he just cried out. He said, am I alive or dead? <laughs> just to the universe. And this is what came from the light that, uh, that came uh, in that time to him. He could feel light around when he was saying that. And this is from the autobiography. What has life or death to do with light? In the image of my light I have made you. The relativities of life and death belong to the cosmic dream. Behold, your dreamless being. Awake, my child, awake. So I just thought that was a very um, interesting thing for us to keep in mind with this idea of how we act in the world. You know, Yogananda said, he said, it's not that the world isn't real, it's just not as it appears to be. It's light. And, it's, and Yogananda used many times that image of the movie theater and the beam of light coming down and then all these things happening on the screen and life and death and joy and sorrow and everything, but all coming from that beam of light. In other words, not real as it appears to be. And so for all of us, here we are here, in this room, we all look pretty real and, you know, we have lives and we're doing things, but yet there is a much deeper reality behind all of this that it's important for us to always keep in mind and be aware of. So there's that level of things. <clears throat> and then there is the part of deeds and intentions, how we act in the world. And so we want to be trying to bring those deeds and intentions into an alignment with each other and into alignment with light. Because we are light. We're children of light. You know, that is our reality. And we're remembering, we have to remember we're in this great, uh, how does it say in the Bhagavad Gita, this uh, marvelous illusion of maya, uh, that we're in that and it's very magnetic and convincing that this is what we are. I am this body, I have a mind, I'm a man or a woman, whatever it is. I have this kind of job, that's who I am. Not at all, not at all. It's very, and yet, how do we go from this very magnetic uh, a reality of maya, which is not so real, how do we go into something deeper and broader, into our true reality as children of light. How do we get to that light? And uh, I was remembering there's a, a very wonderful talk that Swami Kriyananda did in the 1980s. He did a number of wonderful talks then. And this one at that time was called The Divine Romance. And I don't think he ever did another talk quite like that at any other time that I've come across. But um, 
Anyway, the problem with us bringing into alignment our life with our life as a, as a child of light is always the same. And one reason I mentioned Tucson is people there and people here and people all over the world as souls were dealing with the same problems everywhere. And the main issue is the ego. It's our identification with this body, with this personality, with everything that seems so real to us, but is very confining. Remember Yogananda used to say when he had to be reborn and come into a new body, it was like coming into uh, putting on an, old, an overcoat on a hot day. Very confining. But he said then you put it on and you get used to it and it's, it's okay because it's what you have to use to relate in this physical plane, this material plane. But how do we get from that, from this body, personality, ego, separate, into really remembering more and more about who we are as children of light? Uh, because that really is vital. You know, there's that beautiful little phrase in the Bhagavad Gita, and it's famous. It says, Yet hard the wise Mahatma is to find that one who says, All is Vasudev, meaning all is light. Everything is equal. It's all light. And when we do that, we get away from condemning people to hellfire or being angry or, you know, whatever it is, those, those deeds and intentions strongly mentioned by Jesus Christ because he wanted people to wake up and say, look, you need to look at how you're living your life. It's not in alignment with who you really are. And so that ability to do that, as we know, people here we're all meditators of some sort or another, and we tune into, in meditation, broader realities. We tune into our identity as broader than just this body and as broader meaning part of that light. And one way that I've found uh, that I think is an important element, there, there are other elements to it, but is really living in God's love. Now that's a, that sounds like a nice thing to do, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah live in, let's live in God's love. But you know, we've got this problem. We've got a whole lot of motion, in motion, karma and who we are and again the body and how we act and those deeds and intentions which are not so much about God's love sometimes. And you know, also, please do remember, you know, Sri Yukteswar's thing of saying, the past lives of all men are dark with many shames all people, everybody. But everything will improve if you're making a spiritual effort now. So, you know, let's get on with it. Always like that. So, um, but in this talk that I mentioned, the divine romance, it's now been uh, translated into a treasures talk, and I would highly recommend it because it's called Devotion and Spiritual Growth. So we're talking about using devotion to grow spiritually. And that takes living in God's love and devotion into a realm that is very usable and important. And it really grounds it in a way. And so I wanted to just, you know, I hesitated in a way to talk about this talk 
because it's so personal. It's really about, you know, as Master said, each of you have to individually make love to God. That's very personal for each of us. But these are some of the things that Swami Kriyananda mentioned in that talk that just may help to bridge the gap between devotion and God's love and feeling love in your heart into the reality of what that actually looks like. To remember that God, although a cosmic being, is one that we can love. You know, Yogananda was asked about this, and Swami Kriyananda said this, that Yogananda addressed many of the long-standing spiritual conundrums of the ages. And he was asked, is God personal or impersonal? And he said, God is impersonal, vast, beyond all definition, but frozen by my devotion, I worship him in, in form as well. God will become form and will come into any form that we like, any form that uplifts our heart's energy toward that light. God will appear to us in that way, whether it be friend or beloved or mother or father, whatever it is, it doesn't matter so much how we think of God, but that that form uplifts our energy. And so God is approachable. He's someone you can pray to. And I say he, just for facility, it's, it's beyond that. It's God as spirit. So approachable. But how we approach that divine matters. So the divine is looking to the quality of our love. Not what we know, but the quality of our love. And so, you know, Yogananda, and again, I think I've told this story long ago, but there was this young guy, devotee, when when Swami Kriyananda was there, and he was really new, and he was a little rough around the edges. His name was A.B. George, and we tell the story about his brother sending coconuts to Yogananda at the end of his life. But there was also Swami in the path describing when A.B. George first met Yogananda, Swami said he was relating to him in a way that none of us would have dared relate to Master. He was sitting in a chair with his leg up over the arm, smoking a cigar and telling dirty jokes. You know, it was like, whoa. He said, do you know what Yogananda's response to him was? He just went over and hugged him because he could see his heart. He wasn't doing that to be disrespectful. It's just he didn't know any better, you know. But, but he looked at his heart, the quality of his love, and, uh, and he just said, it's fine. You know, he'll, he'll even out as he goes along. But, uh, but that, and also there's that beautiful little story that Ramakrishna tells about the gopis and Krishna. Gopis in one room are chanting, and Krishna in the other room is just sitting there kind of ignoring them. And then Radha comes into the room where the gopis are, and very quietly she says Krishna's name, and immediately he comes to her. The quality of our love matters. So what is divine love? It is calm and impersonal. Calm meaning very quiet, very deep. Impersonal 
meaning equally given to all. Remember the wise Mahatma who sees that everything is Vasudev, like that. So it just, you know, saying these things, it just gives us a way to begin to shoot for what will actually work in relating to God with devotion. And really, I love that, that topic, the divine romance, because it's between us and that divine, each one of us individually. And so we draw that divine as much as we're able to, over time, lift our consciousness and therefore the quality of our love lifts and expands to where it matches that. God cannot come to us when we're not there. It's not possible. And so we have to, that's what we do in meditation. If you ever wonder why am I meditating every single day, twice a day, we're refining our consciousness. We're lifting that and coming to a place where our consciousness more matches that divine in love. And so that. Um, Also, uh, if we start to relate in this very personal way, that divine being our good friend, good friends will help us grow, you know, if they're true friends, will start to crack open the limitations of our heart. We'll do that in, in love, and we'll do that in our life. In other words, things that we, we've been protective, all of us, of our heart's energies and how we uh, relate and things that are special to us, the divine will come through life, through the guru, through friends, through whatever. And if we ask for it, we have to ask for these things. We have to desire them, want them. Otherwise, no imposition <clears throat> from that divine will ever happen. It'll just be life as usual. Boring, <laughs> monotonous, <laughs> anguishing. <laughs> but, but when we ask, then things may come to us. And we need to be aware of that because we don't want to push them away. You know, there's, and how this is portrayed, Swami talks about this in this talk, is that beautiful, uh, very dramatic instance of Teresa Vavila, where she was praying deeply over many, many years, and an angel came to her in a vision with a golden spear, and he plunged that spear into her heart three times. She said, the pain was so great, I could hardly stand it but I would gladly have it happen again because the love was so great that came from it. But Swami used that example as what happens. We crack the heart open. Things happen. She had a a dramatic vision. It can happen in many ways for all of us. So be aware of that. The other thing is that God cares cares not so much about what you love as not cares more cares how much you love but not about what you know so that also is very important and also too these things they're very interesting god will in again we're not saying vision necessarily most people don't have them but in various ways god will protect you from delusion 
if you ask for that. Now delusion is very delusive, it's very fun and it's entertaining and you know we can go on and on forever and, and we have our favorite parts of delusion that we don't want to let go of. And, but God will protect you from that if you are deeply sincere and you really want the light, you want God's love. I, there was a, one instance that I know of this happening. Swami Kriyananda talks about Senor Cuadron in Mexico not getting the job. Yogananda kind of protected him there. And you can look that up in the new path. Um, but there's another instance that I know of, of someone who uh, has been very close as a disciple on this path with Ananda here. And at a certain point was offered a lucrative job that probably wasn't the best thing for him to do. And Swami Kriyananda's comment at the time, I've always remembered it, he said, well, we'll see if he has enough good karma. If he does, he won't get the job. He did get the job. Yeah, but again, think of, just take that and apply it out (laughs) in your own life because we're talking about devotion here. People think of devotion as a very particular way. Love, and you know, oh, isn't it beautiful and chanting? And, but this is how God will really deeply care for you, deeply love you, by doing things that will help you to stay focused because you ask. Remember, if we ask, then it comes. If we don't ask, it won't, it won't come. And we won't be aware if it does come. And also that uh, God will carterize, burn away every attachment we have. You know, remember when we talked in the beginning, we're all light. We're children of light. Things are not so real as they seem. And so when Swami Kriyananda started talking about at the end of each day it's really good just to offer everything up to the divine back and we think oh yeah I can do that but it means everything you know it means and he's talked about this in other at other times but it means the relationships the friendships the possessions the the things that are near and dear that aren't light that are confining us some. We all know what they are. Nobody else may know, but we know what they are. But things where you go, ooh, not that. You know, not that person, not that situation, not that change in my life. And it's important if we want to really go deeper and to have this divine romance, this divine connection with that love, which is expansive beyond belief. Um, that we offer everything. And he said, you can work your way up to it. You know, just say, okay, you know, I think I can do that and try. But, but know that no matter what we do, what we do now will be very important and will be really helpful for us to grow spiritually. In the end, it's all going to go anyway. When we die, poof, gone. Everything. When my mother died, I remember thinking, wow, all of her stuff that was in boxes was now just stuff. Because she was the one that knew about it. I didn't know about it. And I, I looked at it, I thought, 
Wow, isn't that amazing? I mean, so all of the stuff is just stuff, and the body is just, you're not there anymore. All the possessions, all the near and dear things, it's done, you're gone. Off into astral plane, coming back in a different body where you don't have any of that or any of those connections necessarily. So, but God, again, as a divine friend, as a beloved, will come and will arrange for those things maybe to happen sooner than when we die. Because that's how we grow spiritually, is when we can do these things consciously. That we, with our own willingness, our willpower, our desire. And I think it's important, as I'm saying all of this, to remember what the results are. Remember Swami Kriyananda at the end of his life. He was in bliss. It's not about sorrow. It's not about becoming dried up. It's not about, you know, doing this and, you know, okay, I've given everything up and now I'm this shriveled little... No. If you're doing it right, you will expand your consciousness, your love, your everything. Your light will expand. You will feel that and you will know that you are one with that light beyond all sorrow, beyond all problem, but in that light really united with that. So these are just a few things. Again, devotion and spiritual growth, the treasures talk you can buy from Krishna. And it's a wonderful thing, just it's a long talk and it really has a wonderful vibration about just the loving light and joy that we have uh, to experience as we go deeper and as we desire that deeper connection with God.